Well, ready or not, there are just four Sundays left in the season of Pentecost. Then we get to Advent. <laughs> Welcome to mine and Michael's world of what? Where did this time go? Four Sundays left in ordinary time when I wear the green stole, when we have green, just to remind us of growth and new life, this time of tending and nurturing before we change and begin a new season in the church year. So since the last Sunday in May, we've spent the last four months, give or take, exploring what it means to take seriously, radically, intentionally, the call of the Holy Spirit upon us to be a community of faith that is restless, growing, creating, and mirroring the loving, boundary-breaking, relationship-seeking heart of the divine. And Mark's gospel has been our guide in this discernment time. And for Mark, the heart of the gospel of Jesus is about discipleship. What it is, what it isn't, what it costs, and what it offers. Mark describes authentic discipleship through the teachings and actions of Jesus in community. Discipleship can't flourish when we're by ourselves. We need others to be disciples with. Authentic discipleship is about letting the relationship we each have with Jesus affect all our other relationships as a result. And so a disciple of Jesus lives in the ways that Jesus has been describing for the last few weeks. It can get kind of redundant. Jesus continues to repeat himself for good reason. The disciples then didn't get it, which maybe gives us some hope that we're not expected to get it, at least the first time around, either. Whoever wishes to become great, or first, or best, must become a servant, must become least in service to others. And in this giving away of ourselves or our egos, that's what that means, the reign of God will continue to unfold. It's not about negating ourselves or, or eliminating ourselves. We don't make ourselves disappear. We take the part that always seeks to be first, let that go aside so that the reign of God can continue to unfold in us as we're fully present with others in community. Discipleship then is not about living happily ever after or finding a comfortable, prosperous life. It's not a life lived seeking protection and the blessing of the powers that be in order to stay alive, to stay popular or electable or successful. The call of discipleship as Jesus extends it is to a life where stands are taken with clarity and steadfastness, where our reactions are managed, 
and that no storm can shake our inmost calm. Because relationships stay at the heart. From disciples that we read about this summer, like John the Baptizer and Mary Magdalene, and the unnamed parents of children who were in need of healing, we learned about praying honestly about belief and unbelief. We learned about parents who advocate for themselves and for those they love. And we learned from Jesus himself that discipleship takes investment in relationship. And at times it's a struggle when it's the people that we're closest to who have raised us and loved us when they can't quite see our journey that we are called to walk. We stick to it while tending relationships. Jesus practiced this three-part structure, taking stands, managing you, tending relationships, as a way to show disciples who take this way seriously how to hold on when they face rejections, unwillingness to go along, and offense. That's what Jesus faced. So when relationship is the goal, not winning this competition of the best disciple for the gold star and the blue ribbon, when it's relationship that we're tending, everything comes back to caring for the community. But now, as we've seen for the last few weeks, as we've been with Jesus on the way, on the road, to Jerusalem. It's a transition that Jesus is in. We realize the shift in perspective that the disciples are maybe understanding that following Jesus is not easy. It's not just a good idea. It's a complete reorientation of life, of your values and your choices. And now Jesus has been talking about what happens, what the consequences are to someone who follows this alternative way. Three times now, Jesus has described his rejection and his vindication of what going to Jerusalem actually means. And three times the disciples completely misunderstand him or willfully misunderstand him. And then again, three times Jesus follows that up, follows that misunderstanding with correct teachings about genuine discipleship or followship, as T talked about. There's still tension between the disciples and between the disciples and Jesus because they're just not on the same page. It's been building up continually. And now, as they're on this way to Jerusalem, they've moved, at least some of them, James and John, from being afraid to ask any questions and keeping their comments to themselves about who is the greatest. At least two of them now have summoned their courage and are going to ask Jesus what's on their heart. They just can't seem to get the idea that greatness according to the Jesus way is not about being first or having the best spots in glory, 
I love their request because it sounds like what I used to ask my parents when I wanted a favor that I'm pretty sure they were going to say no to. But I'm making it vague. Just, would you do, could you do me a favor? And I'm hoping they'll say, sure, what is it? And I got them. Instead of, well, it depends, what is it? And that's what I hear. Teacher, we want, we want you to do whatever we ask of you. Hoping they'll say, Jesus would say, sure, what would you like? And instead, he's like, what is it? I'm not agreeing to anything until I know what's really on your mind. And so I just wonder, have these guys been listening? But then I come up short when I hear my judgy question, haven't they been listening? Turn that mirror around. (laughs) Haven't we, haven't I been listening? We can understand, because we've read through the whole gospel, that their request to sit on the right and left side of Jesus in glory sounds an awful lot like the two anonymous criminals that will be on either side of Jesus in glory on the cross. So they don't know what they're asking. Glory means something different. So once again... Jesus takes the time, more patience than maybe I would have, to teach again what it means to be great in the God movement. And he takes the prevailing power model, the structure of Rome, because that is the world that they lived in, this domination system where rulers lord power over the ruled, and great ones tend to become tyrants because there are no checks on power. And says, this is not how it is among you, my disciples. Greatness is not about power over. It's about power alongside. Greatness is about service. A willingness to experience suffering that will come when you enter into real relationship with someone. Discover their needs discover that maybe our power and privilege contributes to their need, but also how we can ease suffering by claiming where we are and doing something to change the balance of power, tending relationships. That is power demonstrated by Jesus, who came to serve those who were overlooked and oppressed minimized and marginalized by the powers that be. And any who seek to follow Jesus and be great will seek to be great doing the things that made Jesus great. Healing and blessing, welcoming and loving, and bearing the consequences of that greatness. Because discipleship is a way of life not just a good idea or a formula to follow to be a good person. Faithfully following the way of Jesus comes back around to remember his call that we remember we are salt, to reclaim our saltiness as we take stands and manage ourselves and tend relationships. Remember the saltiness of our tears and our sweat 
remind us of our motivation to find fulfilling work. And remember, we're called to empathize. Weep with those who weep. And it's our saltiness that brings us closer to peace with one another. So as we continue for four more Sundays in this season of living into our call to be a congregation upon whom the Spirit of the Lord has been poured out, readying ourselves as followers of Jesus for the transitions to come of calendar and season and church year. Here's some questions for us to ponder in our hearts and respond to by our actions. Do I feel that over time, my eyes are being opened to a new way of being human? That I'm less interested now in status, position, and titles, and am more concerned with the other, my neighbors, and those who are in need? Am I willing to lose my life as Jesus meant it, truly living for values beyond and greater than myself? Do I understand how suffering has the possibility to soften, to humble, to save? On the road of discipleship, Where do I sense Jesus walking ahead of me and calling me to follow? What amazes me on this road? And what makes me afraid? These questions will come later in the week in the E! News and Proclaimer for us to truly take and ponder how we might respond where the questions lead us into more questions in order to be faithful and following our teacher who shows us the way and how to walk in it. Will you pray with me one more time? Lord God, we come to you. We come with our hopes and our dreams our fears and our failures, our faith and our doubts, our troubles and our triumphs. We ask you to walk with us throughout our days, giving us faith when we waver, hope when we despair, love when we need it most. Heal us in our brokenness, love us in our shortcomings. Encourage us in our misgivings and empower us with your spirit. Renew us in your life, love, and peace so we can renew others through Christ our Lord. Amen.